College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? The weekend is upon us. It's Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. And I am here 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden, New York City. Big shout-out to everybody listening on 1210 WPHT. And crazy things are happening in that part of the world, right? Philadelphia gas station customer gets ambushed at the pump in broad daylight. Now, I'd seen this video earlier on Friday morning. And I said, wow, that's pretty crazy. It looked like a scene out of somewhere in Afghanistan or something like that. People pull up. One guy had an AK-47. The other one was also armed. And they just start opening fire on a uh, guy that's, he's literally pumping gas into his car. Now, if that weren't bad enough, uh, you know, later on in the day, I got a text. And it's from uh, my colleague, Mr. Producer. And he's like, did you see what happened in Philly? And it's the same video I saw. I didn't realize that that had happened in a... uh, outskirt of Philly. And I said, oh my goodness, this is absolutely crazy. And I looked at the piece in the New York Post after my buddy Curtis Sliwa sent me an email with this and said, man, you got to talk about this on the radio. So again, this happened, I believe on Thursday night, Friday morning and uh, shocking surveillance footage, New York Post here, deadly ambush on a man that's pumping gas. Two killers are dressed in all black and they fatally shot the victim at a golf station in North Philly on Monday night. So it happened on Monday, but the video came out on Thursday or Friday. The video was released by Philadelphia police, and it shows the suspects pulling into the gas station in a maroon Mazda 3 with jersey tags. Horrible. Just horrible. The whole thing was just horrible to watch. It's definitely some sort of, you know, gang-related or professional hit. Clearly, this wasn't, you know, what you say about my mama? It wasn't anything like that. It wasn't road rage. It wasn't uh, just a random act of violence. This was definitely premeditated. Brandon Dixon was gunned down. And there's a picture of him here. God rest his soul. Sorry to hear about it. But this is the type of crime and the type of chaos that we see happening in Philadelphia and lots of large cities across the country. And they seem to not have stopped. And they, they started towards the tail end of the Trump administration. He did his best to to kind of quell that because a lot of it was related to the Black Lives Matter protest around George Floyd. But they seem to have continued. Why? Well, because in 2020, uh, they had passed this law for cash bail to be removed as an option to let people out on their own recognizance, give them a desk appearance ticket like they do in New York City or what they call a disappearance ticket where people just are free on their own to go back into this revolving door of committing crime. And that's what's going on. So now we've got crime that's ravaging the country. We've got inflation that's ravaging our wallets. We've got more and more protests coming about because of abortion. And abortion is one of those things I want to talk about, right? Because, you know, there are different uh, perspectives here. And I don't mean if you're pro-choice or pro-infanticide or pro-life. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about here is, is it actually a right to reproduce? I would say, yes, it is. 
But when the left says reproductive rights, does that mean that you have a right to kill a child? Is a reproductive right a right to infanticide? Well, Ilhan Omar, and you remember Ilhan Omar, she's famous for coming on the scene as the fourth member of the squad saying, some people did something, referring to the uh, terrorist attacks on 9-11. She says, well, you know what? Absolutely. This is a reproductive right. We have freedom to do what we've got to do. I want you to listen to this. But it's shocking to me that all of this is being championed and it's coming from a party that believes in small government, a party that talks about freedom. So hold on a second. So to be free and to believe in small government. So she's saying that if you are pro-life and you are against abortion, against infanticide, that somehow that is the government overstepping, right? As if killing a person was never illegal before. It's only illegal to kill people in the womb. You see what I mean? They just don't even think these things uh, through. But this is where we are in our current state of civil discourse. Go ahead. Liberty. And this is the party now that wants to do everything that they can to tell women what decisions they can make about their reproductive rights. They want somebody like Senator Ted Cruz regulating your uterus. Now, hold on a second. Is Ted Cruz regulating anybody's uterus? By Ted Cruz saying that a child has a a right to live, does that mean that he's telling you what you can do or what you can't do with your uterus? Even if he's supporting the overturning of Roe versus Wade, that doesn't mean people won't have access to abortions. Some states may limit it. But it's not saying what you can do to your uterus. And quite frankly, what can you do to your heart? What can you do to your kidneys? Are you allowed to stab yourself? Are you allowed to jump in front of a truck? Are you allowed to jump off a building? And I know I'm being extreme here, but people aren't allowed to harm themselves. Self-harm is not allowed. Suicide is not allowed. So why should the harming of another human being growing inside of you? The whole idea of the blob of cells, I don't think stops the, the act of it. I don't think it really makes that much sense saying, oh, it's a blob of cells. So you're saying the the blob of cells may not feel it, but it doesn't change the fact that it's a living organism blob of cells that will eventually become a baby. So they make the argument about viability. I really just don't get the philosophy here, but let's allow her to finish this up. They want Senator Chuck Grassley having authority over your body. We have to say no. We have to stand up and we have to fight back. If you care about women's rights, you should be outraged by this decision. Well, I'm outraged that she interprets it this way. And I really am. I I mean, I get it. The leftists, I'm always outraged at something. But in reality, what is it that progressives have actually brought to the table? You've got these pro-crime progressives that we just talked about in Philly and in New York and other places that are just welcoming crime. They're absolutely in favor of the criminals. Then you have uh, the, the squad. You've got Omar and Tlaib and others that, that they defend this stuff. Okay, so fine. If you want to have the opinion of being pro-choice, that's, that's on you. I disagree, but okay. But now they, they double down. They join with Senator Elizabeth Warren. They say, you know what? We're going to defend these activists that have been breaking the law to protest at the Supreme Court justices' homes. So not only is it, uh, you know, we're going to chastise Grassley and, uh, and Senator um, Cruz, But we're going to go a step further and say that it's allowed to have people parked outside your house when you guys are officers of the court. And I'm sure by now you've heard about USC uh, 181507, 
right? The, uh, the law that says, it's a federal law that says you can't go after federal judges, court officers, et cetera. But that's the message that they're sending, these Washington Democrats. Looking at a piece in Yahoo News, they're going out and they're giving their blessings to the ongoing raucous protests that are taking place outside the homes of the conservative-leaning uh, Supreme Court justices. And they don't care. Despite this law, and the, the article cites it here, 18 U.S. Code, Section 1507, which states, whoever with the intent of influencing any judge near a building or a residency occupied by such judge shall be fined or imprisoned not more than one year or both. And that's a quote. So you think they care? Now Jen Pasirko back. Pasaki, she weighs in. She says, look, I know that there's an outrage now, uh, right now because I guess protests that have been peaceful to date and we certainly continue to encourage that outside of judges' homes. And that's the president's position. So Biden is complicit in this. Good old Joe El Baboso Biden, he's on board with it. And they keep echoing the message all throughout the Capitol, anywhere else you go. Senator Elizabeth Warren said, look, I believe that the best place to protest is on the steps of the United States Supreme Court, which is the right place to do it, not at their homes. She goes on. And I'm very disturbed about the fact that this Supreme Court just a few years back said that it was a restriction on the lawful right to protest if abortion protesters, those who don't want people to get abortions, couldn't get within 35 feet of women who were coming into a Planned Parenthood clinic. She, she goes on. And, and just so you know, I shared this with you guys a couple of weeks ago. Um, that is their right, but it is a vicious and ugly right. I mean, it's one thing to have compassion, and it's another thing, you know, I'm all for for life. But when I saw a couple of uh, 55-year-old men, and again, I shared this a couple of weeks ago, and I don't want to belabor the point too much, but when I saw these guys, 50, 55 years old, wearing these, you know, orange or neon green vests, and I saw a girl trying to get into the abortion clinic, and I was driving down the street. I kind of pulled over because there was a double-parked car, so I had to move into another lane, and that's why I was able to see it for like 10 seconds while I was stopped there. My goodness, they were in this girl's face. They were all over her. You would have think she stole something from a store. I mean, it looked like they were about to attack her. It didn't look like the love of Jesus. It didn't look like anything positive. They were not going to gain any goodwill with the way they were behaving. Now, I'm not saying that's how a lot of the escorts behave, but I am saying this was messed up, and it's not going to help anybody. Old saying, you get a lot more flies with honey than you do with vinegar, and that's the truth. Anyway, back to this story. So one reporter from Fox Business Channel, Hillary Vaughn, she asks Representative Ilhan Omar about what her opinion was on this law, 18 U.S.C. 1507. And afterwards, Ilhan Omar says, the Supreme Court itself has heard the argument and they have themselves said it is a protected First Amendment right. So now, not only is she saying that you have a right to reproduce, which you do, but that in that same right to reproduce, you have the right to end what God has created within you. You have the right to end that. And now, despite the caveat, like, you know, you can't yell fire in a crowded movie theater. You can't protest and do your First Amendment activities outside the homes of federal court officials. None of that seems to matter anymore. Because that's where Ilhan Omar lands on this. That's where the squad lands on this. That's where Elizabeth Warren lands on this. And ultimately, it's, this is what the left does. The far left wing of the Democrat Party is encroaching on more and more of everyday rights that Americans have in order to achieve their objective by mob rule. They don't care. Their way or the hard way. That's it. By hook or by crook. 
and they're not going to give up. This is why so many people oftentimes find themselves saying, oh, you know what? They don't teach civics like they used to. That's not an accident. It's not an accident at all. It's intentional. People don't want you to know what your rights are. People don't want you to know that you can speak up and have an opinion. People don't want you to know that this country was founded as a constitutional republic and that mob rule, majority rule, that pure democracy doesn't rule anything. It's not the lay of the land. But good old Ilhan Omar, she just thinks some people did something and she thinks she's going to get away with everything. Anyway, we got a lot more to talk about. I don't want to spend a ton of time on abortion because we talk about that all the time and that's in the news every day and I'm pretty sure everybody here is exhausted with infanticide. I do want to get to some lighter-hearted stories like there's a deer that was caught drunk in the wilderness and forest, uh, the forest in France. If we have time at the end, I'm going to get to that one. Plus, there was a dog that was lost in New York City and was found at a home improvement store in New Jersey. Some people even saw this dog go through the tunnel, the Lincoln Tunnel, I'm presuming. So we're going to get to that because that just sounds crazy to me. And I also want to talk about what's going on with the COVID crisis as now uh, Senator Roger Marshall and uh, Dr. Quay have come forward with this uh, resolution, this plan that they have to prevent future pandemics. So we'll get to that in the bottom of the hour. One of them is going to join us. And what's up with the baby formula? We've got this whole baby formula crisis going on. But first, I want to remind you about crowd health. Because your health is being bought and sold right now to the highest bidder. Politicians, hospitals, big pharma, and health insurance companies, they're making huge profits at the expense of your health. CrowdHealth's disruptive technology puts your healthcare decisions back in your hands, saving you money and cutting out the middleman. So it's not insurance, but it is what insurance should be. There's no deductible. You could see any doctor you want, pay the first 500 bucks, and submit bills from there on. The crowd health community covers the rest. It's a new way to pay for healthcare. No doctor networks, no huge premiums, no high deductibles, and no surprises. So 100% of your monthly contributions directly fund and reduce the healthcare costs of other members of your healthcare community. And the way they do it is by lowering your costs by up to 60% a year. And it makes payments to doctors and members as quickly as possible while negotiating on the community's behalf when unexpected bills arise. So stop paying health insurance companies your hard-earned dollars. Go to joincrowdhealth.com and experience the freedom that you can have from health insurance. Right now, you can get your first six months for just $99 a month. That's almost 50% off the normal price and a lot less than a high-deductible health insurance plan. Check it out. Go to joincrowdhealth.com. Use promo code THISISAMERICA when you sign up. That's joincrowdhealth.com. Use promo code THISISAMERICA. Don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. There's more to come straight ahead. Rich Valdez, 1210 WPHT. This is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site. 
out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Wendy's new French toast sticks are so delicious, some are saying that they're better than their mom's breakfast. Excuse me. Did you just say Wendy's new French toast sticks are better than my breakfast? Mom, is that you? Answer the question. I said some people are saying that because they're so crispy on the outside and fluffy on the inside and perfect in every way. Uh Uh-huh. And what do you think? I think it's time to tell people to choose wisely. Choose Wendy's new sweet and crispy homestyle French toast sticks. That's still not an answer. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. Five states, including Texas and Tennessee, have less than 50% of formula available. And with supplies running low in 25 other states and here in D.C., the dwindling supply has many parents worried. We get more now from CBS's Janet Chamlian. Empty shelves across the country, and some retailers are limiting purchases to prevent hoarding. Baby formula last November was 11% out of stock nationwide. Then it got worse, 31% by early April, and most recently, jumping to 40%. So on Wednesday, the House of Representatives announces that they're going to hold hearings into this, into what is going on. Why is it that we don't have formula? Now, there was a recall that happened a while ago that was part of this, but there's more to it. And... This is what they want to figure out. But there's so many things that there's a shortage on. This is no um, no shocker, if you will. I mean, it is because it's small children, but there's been these uh, parts, these semiconductors. I mean, little by little, we are getting closer and closer to marching down the road to serfdom. Now, the New York Post is reporting that the FDA is finally clearing a way for formula to be imported. But this is coming months after U.S. suppliers were shut down. And uh, here's some of the highlights from this. This is in uh, Washington. The White House on Thursday said the Food and Drug Administration is going to start clearing the way for imports of baby formula from overseas to address the nationwide shortages. This happens months, again, months after it shut main U.S. manufacturer of these products down over a salmonella scare. So I understand you have to do the right thing as the FDA, right? You You don't want to give salmonella infested or infected baby formula. I get that. But at the same time, you've got, you know, parents that are going without. I was watching the news, Newsmax TV. I I do a weekly commentary on Newsmax TV. And all of a sudden I saw my buddy Frank Morano's wife on TV. They have a brand new five-month-old baby. And she was saying that she is not able to find. She finally got her hands on some stuff through the Internet to get a three-week supply. But coast to coast, you've got bare shelves in a lot of places. That doesn't mean every state, but some states are facing this a lot worse than others. Of course, the Biden administration failed to provide any details about what specific changes it's going to actually implement or to give an estimate of how long this is going to take for this crisis to pass. Or even if President Biden was even briefed on the shortfall of baby formula. Anyway, the shortage has hit some states especially hard, particularly hard. And it's linked to this uh, recall by Abbott Nutrition that began in February, coming out of a uh, factory in Michigan. It's probably a good time to book 
the uh, former FDA commissioner. We've had him on the show before. Professor Dr. Peter Pitt is his name. We've had him on before. We should probably uh, try to book him again because it's good to know what is the, the cause of the red tape. Because we all know when it comes to vaccines, they move a lot of red tape very, very quickly and they're able to implement that. But when it comes to children eating, not so much. And these types of things have gotten people very angry. But the FBA, uh, the FDA, according to Jen Circleback Pasaki. Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, and, and she tweeted something I will read to you, but several other Republican politicians have also gone along this line. She says, Joe Biden continues to put America last by shipping pallets of baby formula to the southern border as American families face empty shelves. She says this is unacceptable. Do you have a response to that? Well, um, we do like facts here, so let me just give you a little sense of the facts on this one. There's something called the Flores Statement Settlement, which she may or may not be aware of, that's been in place since 1997. It requires adequate food and elsewhere specifies age appropriateness, hence formula for kids under the age of one. Uh, CBP is following the law, that law that has been in place uh, and been followed, by the way, by uh, the past every administration since 1997. So this has been a law in the United States for a quarter century. It's been followed by every administration. Um, and on the, uh, But I would also note that we also think it's morally the right thing to do. Uh, you know, well, this is a difference from the last administration. It is the law, but we believe that when children and babies, or babies, I should say, are crossing the border with a family member, that providing them formula, formula is morally right. And so we certainly support the implementation of it. She says that the reason we're here is because the FDA took a step to ensure that babies were taking safe formula. And since they were taking safe formula, they had no formula at all. <laughs> According to her, that's how it works. There were babies who died from taking this formula, so they were doing their jobs. I agree. Now, I saw another report that said that while the babies died, there was no uh, linkage to actual all formula, but more so a bad batch or something like that. Uh, obviously, children dying, we got to take that absolutely seriously. That's not cool. And we, we don't want to get into that. And I want to get into Jen Pasaki Pasaki because Friday was her last day. And Silent P, of course, Pasirkelback Pasaki Silent P. And she's out to MSNBC for her new gig. But she's not the only one that was getting angry. They were getting angry in the White House press briefing, and we're going to get to that. But I want to talk about what happened with um, baby formula in Texas. And I'm talking about Texas Governor Greg Abbott. He's blasting the Biden administration for prioritizing a steady supply of baby formula for illegal immigrants while American families are facing bare store shelves. This is the headline at townhall.com. Now, this is important to note. Wouldn't it be interesting if the federal government said, oh, we're having this crisis at the border. They're bringing all these kids in. Some of them are pregnant. Some of them are with small children. We're, we're going to need to meet their needs over here because they'll die on our watch. And we don't want that to happen. So let's get them, you know, let's get a bunch, buy as much baby formula as you can get. Hairy legs, I'm Joe Biden, let's do it. So he goes and does that, and now all of a sudden there's a run on baby formula. Now Governor Abbott uh, blasted him saying, children are our most vulnerable, precious Texans and deserve to be put first. Yet President Biden has turned a blind eye to parents across America who are facing the nightmare of a nationwide baby formula shortage. While mothers and fathers are staring at empty grocery store shelves in a panic, the Biden administration is happy, happy to provide formula to illegal immigrants coming across our southern border. Abbott released this statement, a joint statement with National Border Patrol Union President Brandon Judd, saying this is yet another in a long line of reckless, out-of-touch priorities from the Biden administration when it comes to securing our border and protecting Americans. Our children deserve a president who puts their needs and survival first. 
not one who gives critical supplies to illegal immigrants before the very people he took an oath to serve, American citizens. And I will uh, tweet out that uh, statement from the Border Patrol Union and from Governor Abbott, as well as Representative Kat Kamek from Florida. She also tweeted out some photos that she got from a Border Patrol officer that sent them to her uh, privately. And uh, this this is a big thing. And it makes sense that people are angry and people are upset. And that's why chaos erupted. Where? Well, at the press briefing uh, for Jen Pasirkoback, Pasaki's final press briefing ever. Listen to this. On the issue of the formula Jen, can I ask you a question from the please back? Please stop. <laughs> I understand, but Simon, you know, for 15 months, you know, on the issue of formula. And I'm saying that for the sake of equity, we should First of all, thank you for your service, and thank your husband for his service as well. On the issue of formula, I think, if anything, this crisis has reminded everyone. Simon, if you could respect your colleagues and other media and reporters in here, that would be greatly appreciated. Go ahead, Mary. If anything, this, sir, please, if anything, this this is reminded, I think, the entire and country and the world that this is not a luxury item, but an essential. Not Thank you. Formula is not a luxury item. It is. They're trying to get a word in edgewise, and they're not able to because it's chaos in the Pasaki press briefing room. That's Simon Ateba. He's a reporter with uh, Africa News Today, and he says, in the name of equity, can you please call on the people in the back? And he obviously doesn't get called on. So... Jen per circle back Pasaki seems unfazed by this, but it just goes to show you how well they treat people of color in. Was that wrong? Was that wrong for me to put it that way? That's what the left does, right? They try to cherry pick things. I'm just trying to point out the obvious that the uh, white woman with blue eyes that was sitting in the front row, she got her question answered and Jen per circle back Pasaki shunned the African gentleman that was in the back of the room. Yet they're the ones that preach, excuse me, equity. And I also want to get into a couple of more things before we bring in our guest. Uh, let's go to good old Dr. Fauci, the Fouchster, because Dr. Fauci, he's been a little bit here and there and following the science, but flip flopping at the same time. Check this out. You've been basically accused of flip flopping on your positions. Can you clarify why some of those nuanced opinions are really important? Yeah, what I can say, it's a good thing I have flip-flopped. <laughs> and the reason is because science and the evolution of this outbreak changes. If you are being true to the facts and true to the data, you're going to have to change. That's not flip-flopping. That's getting moving along with the science the way this outbreak is moving along. Okay, so now the way the science is moving along. Well, here's what I think about this. I think, first of all, the Fouch, he, he's full of it. He always finds a way to work around things and talk around things and obfuscate from the reality. If you're being true to truth, sir, you realize that you didn't know what you were doing early on or you knew what you were doing and you were being uh, malicious about it. Either way, Following the science is a crock in many ways. I'm not saying we shouldn't follow science. I'm saying that Fauci's claim that he follows the science is fake, it's phony, it's fraud, in the words of the late, great Bob Grant. And that's why I want to talk to Dr. Quay, because Dr. Quay joined Senator Roger Marshall, who's also a medical doctor, and he's a scientist. And they've come up with this framework on how we could prevent this from happening again. So don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. Dr. Quay joins us straight ahead on This is America. This is America. 
Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. The 45th president, Donald Trump, thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. Mr. Call Screener. Yeah. Oh, it's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all the social media. And as inflation soars and things continue to go on in Ukraine and all of the craziness that's going on with the Supreme Court and all of their protesting, there's still this issue out there of COVID. And uh, Senator Roger Marshall, he joined forces with uh, an esteemed scientist, an esteemed uh, uh, practitioner, a, a professor, excuse me, a medical doctor and physician scientist, CEO of Atosa Therapeutics. His name, Dr. Stephen Quay, MD, PhD. And he joins us today to tell us a little bit about what he put into this op-ed that I'll share on social media in the Washington Times. Uh, Dr. Quay, welcome to This is America. Well, thanks, Rich. It's, it's great to be here. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, we're on the two-year anniversary of this darn thing, and we're, we're over a million deaths in the U.S., so I thought... Senator Marshall and I um, got introduced when I testified in Congress, you know, a year ago, um, and we thought it was a good time to maybe update what we knew and, more importantly, what we have to do uh, to prevent the next pandemic. So, um, you know, as as part of this, we ha you have to kind of look back and see what happened. Um, and China has, of course, not been cooperative, so we have to we have to get the data where we can without their help, which is makes it difficult, but not impossible. Um, but the on the other side of it, uh, because the U.S. technology was so instrumental in probably facilitating the creation of this virus, um, FOIA requests have been going into the National Institute of Health and the in the federal government, and slowly. Um, like an onion being peeled, we're learning more and more about um, the role the U.S. had in helping the, the science uh, in 2017, 18, 19, that led up to the, the virus and the accidental relief release, um, but also the cover-up that happened afterwards. I think, I think it's really important to focus on what, what was, uh, how the narrative was framed in a non-scientific fashion. That's the most generous way I can put it, but um, how the narrative was was framed to not allow, uh, you know, a debate, reasonable scientific debate among scientists on the origin. Uh, we were told it came from a, a, from the market. We were told it was because you know the Chinese eat bats and raccoons and you know all sorts of other things, mm -hmm. which 
is an interesting, you know, cultural <laughs> approach, which I don't think is necessarily true. They're right. pretty modern over there. Um, but so, and, and so the combination of those two has, has kind of put us in a, in a difficult spot. But over the last couple of years, I've focused um, mostly on the science and what I get my hands on because um, the virus doesn't lie and the virus is, is very open about what it does and what it can do and how it changes over time and how these changes can actually help unravel the fact that it's well beyond the preponderance of the evidence, which is the 51% standard, but, but very high probabilities. I, I, I believe it's greater than 90% uh, that, this, that this virus was crea- created in the laboratory um, and that it accidentally leaked out uh, probably with an infected person. It's, you know, because of the asymptomatic nature of it, it's pretty easy to get infected with this and then walk around town, pass it around, and eventually you have a pandemic that's uh, affected the entire world. Now, when you have something like this, you're creating this deadly virus in a lab and you're making it more deadly, at least from what I've read. So, even if it's an accidental leak, which I find hard to believe, because I'm thinking if you're making a deadly virus, aren't you making it for the express purpose of killing people anyway? Well, I, that's a, that's a real leap. Um, but but so so just let's just talk about why people do this because there's you know there's only about fifty labs in the world that um, you know are, that, that that could have given us this, and Wuhan Institute of Virology is one of them, and 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 could give us the next one, but. Their their concept is, let's take a virus that's already a pathogen and already causing disease. If you know if it get, if it infects a human, and let's imagine that nature makes it worse, and then and then we'll try to get ahead of it and, and figure out you know how we can stop it. It sounds noble. It sounds you know heroic. Um, but again, my analysis of 30 years of this kind of research is that there hasn't been a single experiment, a single set of work that was done that was helpful in stopping pandemics. So it's a great theory that, you know, you make something, you know, worse and then, and then you can, you can prevent it from happening in nature. Um, but it's never, it hasn't been helpful yet. And, and, and the flip side of it is, is what you're getting at is the scientists that do this work for, for many, many reasons, you know, they're embarrassed or they don't want their funding to stop or something. Don't talk about how often, uh, laboratory leaks happen. And they're they're called laboratory acquired infections. A laboratory leak sounds like a plumbing problem, but really it's it's a person working in the laboratory or walking down the hall past the laboratory. I mean, SARS one infected somebody who wasn't working on SARS one, but somebody two doors down was, and they got infected because they passed a refrigerator when the refrigerator door was opened. And they inhaled as they went by the refrigerator. I mean, so there's these viruses. I mean, I remember uh, Jurassic Park where one fellow says, you know, biology will find a way. Um, and so these, you know, these viruses want to infect. That's all that's their only thing in life. So uh, I think it's really important that we put major controls on these. And my biggest fear is that, as you say, We've got inflation. You know, we've got the problem of the day, problem du jour, basically, um, in in America. And and we're going to forget, and we're not going to have the people at you know telling our government officials that this needs to be taken care of. We need to stop spending our money uh, to let these scientists run amok here. I have some solutions that are win-win to let them allow to allow them to do a little bit of this work. 
but we have we have to have the momentum and it has to come from the people from your listeners and and that's you know my biggest challenge is is first the science and then and then and then getting rallying people to the cause right so yeah if you uh don't agree that this was done with the intent to harm which is encouraging you know it gives me a little bit of re- restored faith in humanity uh but you also say that there was no express um outcome that was ever helpful from this type of research, then you're saying we should stop spending on this type of thing, and you've got some ideas on how to do that. Well, yeah, I think, uh, so, the, yeah, it's called gain-of-function research, and, and it it sounds it sounds uh, good, maybe, you know, things are getting, but gain, you're gaining a function, but what you're doing is you're taking a pathogen that can already kill, and you're making it more lethal or more transmissible or, asympt- you know, asymptomatic transmission. Um, now, I, I didn't say that this was not maybe being created for a future um, nefarious, right. you know, event or something like that. I, um, what, what my evidence is that it, it was created in the lab, and it has actually some instabilities about it. That if you were going to, you know, make something more more lethal, you'd, you'd fix those. Ah, um, not quite ready. And then, and and and. and What's that? You're saying it's not quite ready yet. It wasn't quite ready. Yes, exactly. And then, and then the response inside of Wuhan, and I've, I, I've looked in the Chinese language responses. The response of the government and the officials and everything um, was one of of complete surprise. I mean, I you can sort of stage that, but there are you know a hundred or a hundred and fifty different examples of government people scrambling around this, and that's not something you would do if it was a purposeful leak. So. Hmm. Um, that's that's kind of my pretty strong evidence that it was an accidental leak, but the fact that it was being developed um, is you know I mean the the changes that were the changes that appeared in SARS-CoV-2 that have never appeared in a coronavirus in a thousand years. So a thousand years ago, William was leaving Normandy to, to cross the Channel to go take over England, and you know a long time ago. So. Um, the, the the changes in the virus have, have never been seen in nature in that in that period of time, and yet two years before the the virus appeared, they were proposed. The scientists in the U.S. working with Wuhan proposed to make the changes that SARS-CoV-2 ended up ended up with. Um, they made their request to the to the Department of Defense, which is kind of an interesting interesting you know idea okay so you're working on coronavirus research to save people but you're being funded by the defense department how right. does that work well yeah there's a there's more of a story there obviously exactly. um but it turns out that the department of defense the folks that gave us agent orange during the vietnam war uh and i'm a vietnam warrior guy so you know i, I didn't go but you know people 10 years older than me went um thought it was too dangerous so they said, they said, you know, this this looks a little too dangerous. We're not going to fund this research. Now the problem is that doesn't mean the Chinese didn't fund it, or we, you know, the scientists in the U.S. didn't fund it. We're, we don't know all those details, but it has it has attributes inside it that could only have come from a laboratory. Right. Okay. So moving forward, because I think you know this is. Um discussion that's been ongoing with Fauci's funding and not funding and funding somebody else who funded it. How do we nip this in the bud? If this is something that's so transmissible, 
that you can walk by a lab and get infected with it and kill millions and millions of people around the globe, despite you saying it wasn't quite ready yet, it was quite effective. I mean, people are still getting infected now, although not as lethally. How do we implement this idea of yours, this 9-11 style commission to make this better? Well, there's there's three or four changes that need to be done. So um, one of them is oversight of the research. Current scenario is that NIH funds this gain-of-function research, and NIH oversees the the ethics and the you know cost-benefit of this. Um, and they've never seen a project they didn't like. So uh, they've proven, and, and 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 because they funded the Wuhan Institute of Virology, that's absolutely clear. Um, you, you can't have the fox watching the you know the the the, the chicken coop. Yeah. So. In atomic energy research, because there was this, there's this tension between, you know, atomic energy research for cancer treatment or, or, or atomic energy research for nuclear plants, but there's also this atomic energy research for making bombs. Um, the government said that okay, the, the, the Defense Department could fund atomic energy research, but there was a separate independent agency that would approve the ethics and, and look at every single funding decision as to whether it should go forward. Was it safe to do? Um, since NIH has shown that they are incapable of doing that for themselves, it's very simple. Yeah, I, I hate to propose bigger government. <laughs> this really is not my thing, but we, but, you know, this kind of research does need an independent agency to look over the shoulders and say, you know, that's just way too dangerous. You shouldn't be doing that. My other proposal is a little more innovative, and that is that based on what happened during the World War II with human experimentation and based on some very bad experiences in the U.S. with human experimentation by doctors, this whole concept of, of a, what's called an institutional review board where ordinary people you know, from the community um, sit on a board and they have to approve every human experiment that's, any, any, that's done anywhere in the world. And they stopped for, for for the most part, you know, on ethical experiments and experiments on on, on people people who are mentally you know handy. You know, so it's been a really positive step in the ethics and the safety of doing human experimentation. So you just put an institutional review board in place for these kinds of experiments. I mean, if the scientists had to explain to their neighbor, who's not a scientist, what they're going to do in the laboratory, and that neighbor had the authority to say, you know, that sounds too dangerous to me. I don't think you should do that. If, because that's what the legal structure is now for human clinical trials. We would, we would, we would fix this overnight, and I'd be able to sleep. Oh, you've got my vote. Everybody, that's Dr. Stephen Quay, uh, physician and scientist and CEO of Atosa Therapeutics. Dr. Quay, I want to thank you for giving us this wealth of information. I appreciate it. And uh, as always, uh, we appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate it, Rich. Uh, Love to do it. Thank you very much. You got it. More to come straight ahead. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. This is America. Para Inglés, o primo número dos. Para Rich Valdez. Y... Esto es America. Ahora. All right, America, welcome back. Big shout out to everybody listening on 1210 WPHT. It's Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all the social media, at Rich Valdez with an S. And uh, give me a follow. I want to make sure I keep in touch with you guys. Um, Not much time for the wrap-up today because we uh, had a lot of interesting conversation earlier. But I didn't want to let the program end without reminding you that Friday, uh, just this past week, 
Friday was International Blame Someone Else Day. Yeah, I didn't even know that was a thing. Apparently, that's every day of the week for Joe El Baboso Biden. But yeah, Blame Someone Else Day. Let me see if I find this article quickly here. Friday, National Blame Someone Else Day. This is on UPI.com under their odd news section. And uh, Friday marks your opportunity to shirk some responsibility or to indulge in an apple pie, fruit cocktail, or whatever uh, diet-busting dessert you want. Because apparently this became a thing where they celebrated this as the first Friday the 13th of the year. Isn't that fascinating? I I think it's, I've never heard of this. Anyway, that was uh, one of the stories. The other stories that I wanted to mention, and I know, I don't know if you guys like the silly stuff, but I love this silly stuff. Uh, When I hear about, and this is a nice endearing story, this dog escaped from New York and it was rescued from the ledge of a home improvement store in New Jersey. This happened uh, on earlier this week, I think on Monday or Tuesday. A puppy who was missing from his New York home was spotted dashing through two tunnels and was rescued from a parking garage ledge at the Home Depot store in Jersey. Bailey, a seven-month-old mixed-breed dog, escaped from his owner's yard in Brooklyn in the Red Hook section on April 29th. Researchers reported spotting the canine swimming in the Gowanus Bay. A researcher used a paddleboard to usher Bailey back to shore, but the canine ran off and was spotted five days later, Saturday night, last weekend, running through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. Police were unable to locate Bailey, but the dog was seen again Sunday running loose in the north tube of the Holland Tunnel. Oh, so I got it wrong. It was the Holland, not the Lincoln. Let me tell you, that is resilience. That is the American spirit. That's what we all need to have, right? Nothing is going to stop us. Not Joe Biden, not his blaming other people every day of the week. We have to do what we have to do to succeed and to survive as Americans here in the United States. Because if we don't stand for anything, we will fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So you know what to do. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, America. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 